Welcome to the FCBC NYC podcast. We're so thankful that you decided to join us in this moment and in this season in your life. Our prayer is that this podcast will be a catalyst for conversion and transformation and that you will be inspired and renewed in such a tremendous way that your desire will be to be your best for God. Again, thank you for listening, and we're excited to see what is next in your life. We are an ever-evolving community of visionaries, dreamers, and doers who have been called by God to live the lives we were created to live, commanded by God to love beyond the limits of our prejudices, and commissioned by God to serve. Called to live, commanded to love, and commissioned to serve. And if you cannot remember all of that here at FCBC, we say it this way, we live, we love, and we serve. All right, beloved, we're going to begin today looking at the Gospel of Luke. We are in our series, Still I Am Ready. That is our battle cry for the year. That is our theme for the year. I am ready. I am ready. Uh, before I do that, though, this morning I had an opportunity to have a conversation with a journalist and talking about the violence in our community. And not just our community, but so many uh, urban centers around this country. The gun violence is, is so pervasive and the amount of tragedies that we seemingly are bombarded with every day. At some point, it becomes painful even to turn on the TV. Tragically, we are not new to violence, not only in this community, we're not new to violence in this country. And so I was sharing this morning that our hearts, we continually grieve every day at the loss of all lives. Here's what we know. Here's what I believe. There is an inherent dignity to every human life. Every human life is endowed with dignity. And the dignity that each life has has nothing to do with where you are in life, your station in life, your position, your title, your attainment, your education. Every human being is endowed with dignity. And so as a human being, we ought to grieve, we ought to mourn when we hear of the death of another human being. But always mindful that we ought to mourn the life of all lives that are lost. And there are so many lives being lost senselessly, senselessly. Does the pandemic have something to do with it? I'm sure on some levels. There are so many people who are suffering from mental health issues, but that is not it. Because this was happening, this violence around our country was happening before COVID-19. And there are some who would say, well, this is because of the pandemic. Well, the pandemic has contributed to it. But trust me when I say violence has been pervasive in this country. And that is one thing we don't always want to admit. As I said this morning in my conversation, the tragedy is, is it's not only the violence of physical loss or physical violence or physical death. There are people who are suffering, you know, existential deaths every day. The death of opportunity, the death of hope, the death of poverty. And we have to be just as vigilant for those deaths as we are for those physical deaths. We have work to do, beloved. We have a charge to keep in this community, in this country. And those of us who take the teachings of the carpenter seriously know that it cannot just be work. 
It is language plus action, word and deed, that brings about a cultural shift. And we don't just need to address acts of violence. We need to address the root cause, especially in our communities around the country, African-American, black communities. And sometimes we want to get the violence and overlook the poverty, get to the violence and overlook inadequate access to educational opportunities, get to the violence and overlook the despair in healthcare systems. All of it is violence, all of it, all of it, because just as there is police brutality and shootings and gun violence, there are po there's policy violence as well. And so many of us are suffering in our communities because of the malignant neglect of bureaucrats who are more concerned with personal profile and achievement than they are to the needs of community. We all must be vigilant. So this morning, let us remember the lives that have been lost this year already. And let us send prayers and strength to their families. In the Gospel of Luke, the fourth chapter, I want to raise verses 20 through 30. This is a rather extended passage of Scripture. But Luke 4, 20 through 30 and I'm reading it from the New Revised Standard Version of Scripture. And here's how it reads. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Then he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. They said, is not this Joseph's son? He said to them, doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, doctor, cure yourself. And you will say, do here also in your hometown the things we have heard you did at Capernaum. And he said, truly, I tell you, no prophet is accepted in the prophet's hometown. But the truth is, there were many widows in Israel in the time of Elijah when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, and there was a severe famine over all the land. Yet Elijah was sent to the none of them except to a widow in Zarephath in Sidon. There were also many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elijah, and none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. When they heard this, all in the synagogue were filled with rage. They got up, drove him out of the town, and led him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built so that they might hurl him off the cliff. But he passed through the midst of them and went on his way. Come on, beloved, let's pray. God, we are grateful on today, and we thank you. Thank you, God, for this time together. For how even now, oh God, you remind us of the majesty of your grace. We are grace babies, oh God. We are here because you look beyond our faults, look beyond our mistakes, look beyond our misgivings, our shortcomings. And you not only saw what we needed, you knew what we needed. And beyond anything we could ever ask for, oh God, we are grateful for the love you freely give and the love that still covers us. God, if we want to honor you, we honor you by how we honor one another. If we want to love you, we demonstrate that love by how we love one another. We thank you, God. We honor you, Lord. And it's in your name we pray.
And we say, amen. Amen. Amen, beloved. Let me read just the last portion. Verse 29, Luke 4, 29 and 30. And here's how it reads. They got up, drove him out of town, and led him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built so that they might hurl him off the cliff. But he passed through the midst of them and went on his way. Amen, amen. No matter where you are, you can take your seat. Listen, beloved, I want to preach this morning uh, just briefly from this thought. I am ready for acceptance and rejection. I am ready for acceptance and rejection. Jesus is ready in this scene. He is ready to begin the work he was called to do. His mission was now beginning to commence. He had already prepared and qualified himself in some very unique ways. One, baptism by his cousin John, which was the validation from God of his own God-given identity. You are my son, in whom I am well pleased. After that, the scripture says that he went to the wilderness driven by the Holy Spirit. And there in the wilderness, he was tempted for 40 days and nights. That scene is profound and oftentimes not just profound, because of the temptation by the enemy, but profound because of the words of Jesus. Sometimes when we read the stories about Jesus, we forget that the carpenter came preaching. He came to proclaim. He came with a word, a word that the kingdom of God was now. That the kingdom of God had arrived. His cousin John was saying that the kingdom of God was on its way. But with the beginning and commencement of the ministry and mission of Jesus, the kingdom of God was now. That was the word he began with. And his journey began with words there in the wilderness, tempted by the enemy. What the enemy, what Satan, what the adversary has to say is not as important as the words that Jesus spoke. When he was tempted by the enemy the first time in the wilderness, Jesus informed the enemy that one does not live by bread alone. The second temptation by the enemy, Jesus' words were, worship the Lord your God and serve only God. When the enemy tempted Jesus the third time, Jesus' response was this, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Words began. One does not live by bread alone. Worship the Lord your God and serve only God. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. One does not live by bread alone. Worship the Lord your God and serve only God. Do not put the Lord God to the test. If you think about the words that Jesus spoke in the wilderness, you will see these are the words that actually carried him through the entirety of his ministry. And this ministry began. With words. And so when you get to Luke 4, verses really 16, Jesus enters the synagogue in his hometown, and there in his hometown, he's asked to read, he stands up to read, 
and there in his hometown, in his home synagogue, the synagogue where he had been raised, he opened the scroll of Isaiah and he found where these words were written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because God has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. God has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. i got to say that again. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because God has sent me and has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. God has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Words that begin his work, words that would shape his ministry. There in the synagogue, Jesus is announcing, quoting from the prophet Isaiah, that this work will be shaped by these words. And when you look closer at his words, you find something. Jesus says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because that spirit has anointed me. To do what? To bring good news to the poor, to preach the gospel, the good news. And as Peter Gomes said in the scandalous gospel of Jesus, that someone's good news is somebody else's bad news. That when you begin to preach a word of liberation and transformation, everybody will not be happy. When you begin to speak words and set people free and bring people closer to a sense of healing and purpose and meaning, everyone will not be happy. Somebody's good news is another person's bad news, but he announces that he must proclaim this word because this is what he has been anointed to do preach the gospel, the good news. Then Jesus said, God has sent me to proclaim, to release the captives. I love that word in the Hebrew for release. The word is aphesan, which means forgiveness. Think about it. God has sent me to proclaim release, forgiveness to the captives. Why? Well, the captives need to be forgiven. Jesus is speaking directly to those persons who have been held captive because they've been told that somehow their sinfulness, their wrong action, their misgivings, their shortcoming, their mistakes put them at a distance from God. And here Jesus comes and says, those who have been captive by that way of thinking, I forgive you. Sometimes what we long for in our lives is to know that we are forgiven by God. And then he says, sent to bring recovery of sight to the blind. That word for recovery. And a blepson, which means to look up. Can you imagine? He has sent me to help those who've been blinded look up and see another possibility of living. Another way of being. Sometimes you walk through life as if we are sleepwalking, not using our own eyes, just using other people's perceptions and other people's understandings and other people's expectations and other people's definitions. We live life being told who we are and what we are and how we are, and we never look up to see who we are for ourselves. And here he's saying that part of the call upon my life is to help those who've been blind to their own possibility look up. It helps me understand now with the psalmist, man, I will lift my eyes 
unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help comes from God. Look up and every now and again when your head has been so bowed down and you felt so beaten down, that's the best time to look up and see that you are not alone, that God is walking with you, that God is talking with you, that God is keeping you. And look at the word that Jesus says, that God has anointed me, sent me to help people look up again and see who they are. And then to let the oppressed go free. I love that word for let. It is a word that is found in the Hebrew. It's the Greek word, but it's the Hebrew ver it's the Greek version of the Hebrew word that you see in the beginning of the Bible. And God said, let there be light. Let. And that word in the Greek is apostoli, which you get the word apostle from. I like this. In other words, in other words, watch this. To set the oppressed free. To send out, that is what apostoli means, to send out the oppressed in their freedom. Oh, God. To let those who are oppressed now go out in their freedom and see, be living testimonies, living embodiments that oppression don't have to last always. These things that hold you captive now will not hold you captive forever. And then lastly, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That word for favor in the Greek, dekton, I want you to hear this, and here's what I want to get to today. That word means acceptance. You see, many interpret this as meaning, meaning, and it is true that the year of the Lord's favor speaks to the year of Jubilee, and in the year of Jubilee, debts are forgiven, prisoners are released, and it's the year of God's restart. I hope you get that. That Jubilee is about restart, but here when Jesus quotes from the prophet Isaiah and says, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, that word dekton, which means acceptance. Watch this. To proclaim that you are accepted by God. You see, you can't speak of acceptance if you don't know about being accepted. I hope you get that today. That somehow part of being able to tell someone they're accepted is when you've accepted that you're accepted. I hope you get that today. When you know that you've been accepted by God, it's critically important. I'm going to come back to that in a second. And that is how Jesus begins the work and the call upon his life. And here's what happens next. The story says, and after he said these words, the people were amazed amazed. And look at the question they raised. Is not this Joseph's son? In other places where I've shared this story, it, that question raises the possibility that they are amazed that he is able to do extraordinary and there's nothing really extraordinary about him. We know him. This is Joseph's little boy. Where did he learn how to read like that? How did he get this kind of ability? They're amazed and they begin to celebrate him because of what he is able to do. But I want you to catch this part. What he did was non-threatening to them. You might have missed that. A whole lot of folk will accept you if you're no longer a threat to them. And some people who will only accept you because they know that you are not a threat to them. You got to measure sometimes those who, those who approve you and those who validate you. Because sometimes those who seek to validate you are not really invested in you. They're invested in what they can garner and gain from you. 
they are excited. He can read, he can talk, and he speaks with such eloquence. And I've said before, if Jesus stopped at the end of people's praise, he would have missed the higher calling on his life. I hope you hear that today, beloved. There's some of us whose commitments go as far as the praise we receive, who can only be committed to the high calling or task set before us as long as we're recognized. There's some folk who can't serve without accolades. There's some folk who can't give up their time unless they're recognized. There's some people who won't deepen their commitment unless they're publicly acknowledged. And if Jesus had stopped at their praise, he would have missed the mission. And right at the point of their praise, you've got to get this, right at the point of their praise, he now pushes the mirror in front of them. He now risks no longer being accepted because what Trump being accepted was the appointment by God. Sometimes you have to be careful that you do not become so seduced by the praise of people that you find yourself on a steady diet of affirmation. And sometimes on that steady diet of affirmation, you also find yourself trying to garner affirmation. And in your quest to garner affirmation, you begin to engage in behavior that would then guarantee affirmation. And in the quest for affirmation and attention, you engage in a kind of behavior where you see yourself fading. Because what will you do to maintain the steady flow and diet of affirmation and attention once you become addicted by it? And there are a whole lot of us right now, especially in this cultural moment, where so many are addicted to attention, addicted to being seen. We are reducing ourselves to looking for likes and posting for praise. Where we're looking for people to tell us we're okay, measuring our value and our worth by how many people honor us and the deep things that we're looking to be seen and honored and valued by people we don't even know. I've never seen a moment in the history of this culture where so many people base the merit of their humanity on being known by strangers. Think about that. We base the value of our humanity based on social media by how many people like us without knowing us, who like us and not invested in even loving us. And somehow we use that as a litmus test for how good we are, how great we are. And then it gets deeper. We spiritualize the addiction to attention, the addiction to approval, and the addiction of looking for likes. We spiritualize the, 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 uh, the addiction by then trying to monetize it. Oh, y'all missing this. I know I'm going to offend some people this morning. We think, well, no, as long as I can monetize the attention and then somehow get paid off of the attention I seek, then the monetizing is not problematic. You're missing this. That means when you now reduce your posting and your likes to then the kind of monetary gain you can get, well, the addiction will never fade. Because if you make your monetary gain based on the value and attention that you get, that means you'll always be seeking attention to boost your platform, elevate your your profile, to monetize who you are without even realizing that sometimes we're monetizing ourselves to the point we're sitting every day on the auction block called Instagram. And not realizing what we are losing in the addiction to being accepted. What we're losing in the addiction to being approved. What we're losing in the addiction to being validated by strangers. Our soul is groaning. Our spirits are hurting. And our hearts become empty. Because we simply want people to say 
you're okay. But when you know that you are enough, you're not fearful of losing the approval and praise of people. When you know who you are, you're not worried about that. And because Jesus had already been told who he was, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Because Jesus was clear about who he was. He wasn't afraid to offend people with a necessary word if need be. And after they praised him, he then says to them, well, I know you're here in this synagogue celebrating your God connection. Yes, you are blessed. And yes, Yahweh is our God. We are the chosen people. But I got to tell you something. We ain't the only chosen people. He tells them during Elijah the prophet's time when there was a famine in the land, there are a whole lot of folk that God could have sent Elijah the Jewish prophet to. But what does God do? God sends Elijah to be provided for by a woman from Zarephath, a non-Jew. Whole lot of folk who had leprosy during the day of the prophet Elisha. But God sends Elisha the prophet to heal Naaman, a Syrian. I hope you hear what Jesus was really saying. For those of you who somehow think that there's something cosmically significant about you because you call yourself a child of God, God got a whole lot of children you don't know about. And so don't somehow sit there and believe because you have a way of communicating with God and you have a name for God that is singular to you, that you are the only one who knows how to talk to God and go deeper, that you are the only one that God talks to. And I know that ain't an easy word, but that's what Jesus said. God is bigger than your tribalism, bigger than your parochialism. And just like some of you are upset right now, maybe possibly by hearing what I'm saying, good. I'm in good company because when Jesus said that, they were angry with him. How dare you tell us that God loves other people? <laughs> How dare you tell us that God cares about other people? Jesus said this. If you doubt it, read the text. Jesus says this. And the people wanted to kill him because he robbed them of the so-called corner they thought they had on God. And then they want to destroy him. They went from acceptance to rejection in a matter of minutes. They went from praising him to wanting to kill him in the same breath. How would you let your esteem be based on the fickleness of fragile people. Why would you let your confidence and courage in you be determined by whether or not other people see you? Why would you let how you feel about you be based on how others feel about you? You see, here's what I learned a long time ago. Life is short, life is fleeting, life is fragile. And it's too much of life that I have to experience and want to experience. I have so much life to experience and so much life I want to experience that I don't have time to convince you to like me. Well, I hope you hear that this morning, beloved. Sometimes you got to make up in your mind that my time is so valuable and life is so short. I can't spend my days scrolling for validation. Or acceptance. You see, what I've also learned in my journey is not only that I don't have time to convince you to like me. Here's what I learned. 
that every rejection ain't just rejection. Sometimes rejection is redirection. Oh, y'all missed that. Sometimes I look back over my life and there were some spaces I wanted to be a part of because I didn't see the bigger picture and I was rejected. It is only now that I look back and I celebrate that there were some spaces that did not want me because I realized there were some spaces that could not handle me. Oh, I hope you got that, beloved. Don't take personally the rejections because sometimes those rejections are co-opted by God and God then takes the rejection of people and puts you on another path that brings you closer to who God wants you to be in the first place. And so every now and again, you got to pause and you look back over your life and say, you know what? I thank you for when you rejected me. I was broken. I was hurt, but I didn't realize there was another plan in store that was connected to my future. You see, again, I don't have time to convince you to like me. I've learned that sometimes rejection is redirection. And I've learned also that acceptance is fickle. Because at the end of the day, if you are dependent on acceptance, that means you're depending on the criteria established by other people to help you see yourself better. And that will never work. What you have to be able to say, beloved, is I am ready for acceptance or rejection. How do you know you're ready? Because when you, like Jesus, are clear about who you are, when your feelings about yourself are not held captive by somebody else's whims and opinions, you are not worried about who accepts you. You're not worried about who rejects you because you've learned that even when it appears that you're walking by yourself, you are not alone. God is with you. And you have to believe that. So accept me or reject me. I'm still a child of God. Accept me or reject me. I've still been delivered. Accept me or reject me. I've still been set free. Accept me or reject me. I've still been healed. Accept me or reject me. I've still been restored. Accept me or reject me. I'm still strong. Accept me or reject me. I'm still powerful. I'm still unshakable. I'm still adaptable. Accept me or reject me. You won't change how God has made me. I belong to God. And at the end of the day, that is what prepares me to handle your pettiness, your shallowness, your fickleness, because I serve a God who sees me consistently all the time. I'm ready to be accepted or rejected. Who I am is not based on the inconsistency of your analysis of me, who I am is based on God's approval of me. Oh, it may help to feel like I'm known by you, but it is an indescribable feeling 
and an unspeakable joy to know that I'm known by God. We are known by God. And when you know that you're known, you don't chase people who may be confused about where they stand. I am God's child. I am the beloved of God. God's spirit rests on me. And in me, God finds favor. Oh, God knows my name. God knows your name, beloved. Oh, you got to let that sit with you for a second. As the old preacher would say, let that marinate in your spirit. God knows my name. God knows my name. And oh, how he walks with me. And oh, how he talks with me. And oh, how he tells me. I am God's own. If you don't have a reason to shout and rejoice today, rejoice over that. God knows my name. God knows my name. God knows your name today. And for that reason, we can face any obstacle. We can face any challenge we can defeat any giant we can walk around territory seven times we can climb any mountain we can walk through any valley because God knows our name God knows our name, beloved. Just sit with that for a moment. In the stillness of your home or wherever you are right now, you might be out eating and watching right now. Shock the folk around you with your silence and your, your meditative moment right now. God, I had to just pause from what I was doing to say thank you for being mindful of me. Hey, thank you, God, for never letting me go. Thank you, God, for having me on your mind. Thank you, God, for picking me up those times I wanted to quit, for focusing my energy when I wanted to retreat. Thank you, God, for giving me the fortitude to stand in the face of insanity and absurdity and tell those who tried to confuse me about who I was, I know who I am. I'm a child of God. And with that knowledge, I stand with the assurance and the confidence because of my God-given identity. I stand with the assurance and confidence that no weapon Formed against me shall proper prosper. Try to undermine me.
But here's the word I got for you. It won't work. Hey, maybe that needs to be the words that's in your mouth today as you journey. When someone tries to tell you who you're not, when someone tries to slow you down, when someone tries to disrupt your plans, when someone tries to forfeit on their promise, it won't work. It won't work. Come on, beloved, draw close today. And let's pray. Oh, God, thank you. Thank you today, oh, God. Thank you, oh, God, for reminding us, for reminding us that we are ready for acceptance or rejection. Why? Because we know who we are. We belong to you. Because we belong to you, oh, God. We won't go chasing affirmation because we know we are known by you. God, thank you today. Somebody needs to hear that, oh God. Somebody needs to be reminded of that this morning, oh God. That they are known by you. God, for those right now who may be feeling a sense of distance and disconnection, God, ease into their atmosphere and let them know that they're not alone. For those who may be grieving right now some loss in their life, be that hand of comfort. Let them know you'll never leave nor forsake them. God, thank you. Thank you, God. We love you, Lord. We honor you, God. And we bless your name because you are worthy to be praised. This is our prayer. In your name we pray. And we say amen, amen, and amen. Thank you for listening to the FCBC NYC podcast. We hope that what you heard was informative and inspiring and in some way created a space for you to have a creative encounter with God. You can follow us on social media and on the internet at fcbcnyc.org. Please follow and also contribute. If you've been blessed by what you heard, support us financially that we may continue to offer these podcasts. Thank you again, and we look forward to you tuning back in in the future.